Well, it is nice to see you and meet you. My name is Mike, and I am one of the pastors at Maranatha Bible Church. I am uh, filling in here just for one week, uh, just as a sub uh, for Joel. Um, so if you're new here, uh, you won't see me ever again, maybe for next year, unless the Lord comes back, then I'll see you on the other side. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I'm just visiting. It is good for me to be here with you guys. Uh, and I have, just, just for you to know, just kind of offset rabbit trail before we even start, um, I've had the privilege of getting to know Joel a little bit closer over, over the past few months and really asking him a lot of questions and about this church and how you guys started and how things kind of got going. And you already know this. I'm just affirming what you already know, that uh, Joel is the real deal. Um, he works harder than you think he works, and he does more than you think he does. And it's truly because he loves Jesus, but also loves you and this community. And so uh, as someone who would like to be where he is in the future, who loves the Lord, loves his family and his church, I want to let you guys know you are extremely privileged with having Joel as your pastor. Well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we are, you guys are in this uh, series on uh, really the Sermon on the Mount, but honing in on the phrase, you have heard it said. And so Matthew five thirty-eight to 42 is where we're going to be, just those quick four verses. That doesn't mean the sermon will be quick, but rather us covering those sections in the Bible will be quick. Uh, but... As you're turning there and thinking, uh, just take for a moment, and don't shout this out, don't yell, but just think in your mind, if you had to define the word or the term being fair, how would you define that? How would you put that into a sentence, or how would you explain that? If someone says, what does it mean to be fair, what would you say? I, this past week, I started asking uh, some of my friends, and I put it on my social media. I gave some people an opportunity. Hey, how would you define being fair? You had the group of people who said, doesn't matter. Life isn't fair. Figure it out, right? Amen. So, uh, you had some of the people who got really technical. You know, they, they brought up uh, equatable or unbiased or being, uh, having justice or being impartial they could describe being fair. And then you had another group of people who said, well, fair is where you go to get an elephant ear in the summertime. Amen? Uh, so they would define it a, a certain way. And no matter where you come from in the room uh, or your background or your upbringing, you have experienced what it is like for something unfair to happen to you. Right? Something that is it's not right. Um, I uh, don't respond well when things happen to me. And even if it's a really small thing, my wife would say um, that if she just would maybe, you know, trick me or tease me or like sprinkle me with water, um, you know, on my head behind, I will literally throw her into a swimming pool and think that it is what? Fair, right? And, and so there are things that all of us do. And if you heard that story, you're like, of course, he's the youngest, right? He has to go above and beyond. Yes, it's true. I am the youngest. But anyway, you've experienced in family, in church, in your workplace, oh my, in, in your marriage, something unfair happening to you. And when something unfair or unjust happens to you, the right mindset or response or even just human response is to get even with, right? To, to say something back that shouldn't be said, to make a harder jab 
that's going to cut a little bit deeper uh, to, you know, do something back to the person or to, to gossip back about them or even if it's physically, right? You guys have the, the Mama Bear course coming up. My wife wrote that curriculum, right? We, uh, we have a one-and-a-half-year-old. I mean, if you look at my daughter the wrong way, you, will, you, you ain't going to make it out, right? You just, there are certain things that you would say that are not fair and you have to get back with. Now, um, the hard part about today, in this little section that Jesus is going to help talk through with us on retaliation, there are things in life that deserve justice, right? There are things that are not fair and should be paid back for. There are things that are done. This is an exhaustible topic that we'll start to open up with, but there are things that are done that are not right, that should be, that justice should be had. And as followers of Jesus, there is a way in which Jesus wants me to respond. He wants you to respond. When someone attacks us verbally, physically, or when something unjust happens to us. And if you've been around church for over three days, you have felt this or experienced this in some way. If you've been around family any amount of time, it's the only reason you see them around Thanksgiving and Christmas because you'll want to get even with them. And you have to decide, how will I respond? And this is um, something that I tend to do, uh, I can do it now because this is my first time here in a while, or yeah, second time, but I do this, I try to do this on regular occasion when I'm talking about the Bible and teaching. We have to ask ourselves the question as followers of Jesus, do we live our lives like this? Are we under the book? Do I allow my thoughts, my emotions, my actions to hit what God's word says? Because as one pastor said, If the Bible is not correcting your thinking, you're probably not reading the Bible because you will naturally want to do something opposite. Now, um, in this portion, if it's your first time kind of listening to the series, Jesus is doing some really, really bizarre cultural things. He is saying and doing some things that are really upsetting people, and he's upsetting the right kinds of people, the kind of people that you would want to upset, the really religious rule keeping rule followers you know they kind of add things to it was the they'd always slap your hand they'd always correct your way of thinking he's doing those types of things because the way you think is going to to determine the way you live right and so the thing that we have to at least keep in mind before i jump into the passage is this jesus did not did not come to make bad people good That wasn't his goal, that if you just get this rule down and you live better, or if you get the the other one from last week down and you live better, or if you get the next rule down and you live better, the goal is not that you would be a better person. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And Jesus tells the story in Luke 15, and, and the son is coming home. He said, but this is my son who was once dead, but now is alive, that the rules The regulations of the Bible and of Jesus' teaching is not that you would be a better person. I don't think Canal Fulton or this area just needs really, really good religious people. That's not what the community needs. It needs Jesus followers who once were dead in their sin and now are alive sharing the message of Jesus. So as we jump into a bunch of rules, I will probably come back to that a few times. But anyway, um, four points as we jump into this this morning. The first one 
is this in Matthew 5, 38. What you heard was correct is my first point. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. What a weird statement. Um, what, what you heard was correct. And Jesus is telling this to a, a bunch of religious people, a few of his followers. And he said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now where, where on earth is, is he getting this? And he is saying this because there is something that they have heard that is truly correct. It's something that they heard was correct. Now, the reason he, he didn't say what you have read was this. He said, you've heard because you've got to remember during this time, they don't have the Bible. They don't have uh, the version Bible that they can listen to or uh, they don't have Bible at their fingertips. There would be a teaching about a topic that they would hear. He said, what you've heard was this statement, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Now, where on earth did they get that? Well, it's found in Leviticus. Um, we're not going to do a big, you know, dissertation on Leviticus, but <clears throat> 24, 19 to 20, it says this. If you don't have it, it's fine. Perfect. If anyone injures his neighbor and he has done it, shall be done to him. I like that. If someone does something bad to you, you should do something bad back to them, right? This is what it was like growing up in Mogador. He says, as, <laughs> as it is done to them, fracture for fracture, Okay, if they break your arm, you break theirs. Eye for eye, okay, if they hit you in the eye, you hit them back. Um, uh, tooth for tooth, I guess if you punch them in the tooth, and, you know, then you get to hit them, those kind of things. Whatever injury has been given, a person shall be given to him. Now, um, this is brought up in Exodus 21, uh, Leviticus 19, and Deuteronomy. This is a normal um, law requirement on the people of God. It's called the law of retaliation. Now, Jesus said, hey, you have heard it said this statement, which is correct. It's, it's not a wrong statement. He's saying what you have heard is correct. Now, what Jesus is going to do with this statement is he's saying, hey, you've heard this this way, <clears throat> but you've applied it in the way that I didn't want you to apply it. You see, what's important to know is Jesus is not, he's not anti-government. He's not anti-law. He's not anti-having first responders. He's not anti-police. He's actually pro all of those things in which he instituted. And Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 would say they're actually God-ordained to keep things in place. So he's not against the government. Jesus is actually pro-government. He's just not pro-retaliation on personal stance. The difference is they were taking a civil commandment, and it was a theocracy in the Old Testament. You got to remember, we don't live in a theocracy today. It was a civil commandment that they would apply. If someone does something bad, there should be consequences, right? If someone uh, steals from you, there should be a consequence for them. Not that you get to steal back from them, but you understand. If someone does something to your property, you have things in place to make sure that doesn't happen. He's saying, you've heard this, that this is taking place on a civil thing. Now, here's what's problem. Here's what the problem is. They take this law that is given by God, and then they bring it to their personal, per, they bring it into a realm that it's not supposed to be, which you and I would take it into this realm. Personal revenge personal revenge. 
So someone does something back to me that's not right, I will do something back to them. Because this, this statement is true. What was correct back then was no longer correct for them. In the way in which you applied it, in the main reason this is taking place is, is in Matthew five seventeen, right? A few verses before, what's it say? I have come, not come to abolish the law. I didn't come to do away with the Bible. I didn't come to cut it out. I didn't come to take scissors with the Old Testament. I didn't come to throw these in the trash. He said, I have come to fulfill the law. You see, Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.8, he says, the law, if someone uses it lawfully or correctly, he does something good. He said he's doing the right thing. The law is meant to do this, that you would look at Leviticus 24, you would look at the statement, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, and you would say, man, I don't, I don't really do that well. I don't do I don't apply the law the way Jesus would want me to apply. He's saying what was correct for them is no longer correct for them because something has shifted. What they heard was correct, but Jesus is changing some things. It is monumentally important what happens in the book of Matthew when Jesus hits the stage. So the first point is what you heard was correct, but number two, what you heard was wrong. What you heard was, was wrong. Now, now we're confused. I've lost everybody. Well, now what do we do this morning? It says in verse 39, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Now, if someone ever approaches you and says, Hey, I know the Bible says this, but I got something new. We would, hopefully, this church would caution you of that person. You should be really leery of them. I mean, right? You should not believe someone who says, hey, I know the Bible says this, but I got something new going on, right? Um, you would question what they've done the night before. You'd question where they come from, right? You'd question why they're saying these things. And Jesus says, hey, I know everything you've believed for thousands of years, for generations to come. I know they said this, but I got something new. Now, what would you think, right? You, I, I wouldn't believe him. And think about what gives Jesus this type of authority at this point in the game? What has he done up to Matthew 5? Had a virgin birth that they don't really know about, right? Had some wise men visit that they don't really care to know about. Um, had a baptism by a guy that they weren't a fan of, John the Baptist, that they're going to try and kill later on, right? Um, he went in the wilderness for a long time and fasted. They don't know about. He was tempted by the devil. They don't know about. He started his ministry. He calls disciples to him. He's got 12 guys following him. Looks like a great movement. And this guy stands up to preach. Hey, you've heard it said, but I say to you, who's this guy? Hasn't done a miracle? Hasn't really given much teaching? I mean, this is, this is really, really bizarre if you would think about it. You and I would have a very similar response as the disciples do or the Pharisees do. We would question him, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Don't push back someone who is evil, someone who would fight against you, someone who would argue you. Isn't it easy to push back an evil person? I, yeah, for me. I mean, if someone is evil towards me, someone attacks me, I want to push them away. 
right? And so the reason all of you moved out here, live out here, is because you don't want people around you, <laughs> right? And so as, 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 a, as Americans, right, as, as I'm a, I mean, the first time I, 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 I read this verse, I'll see it, don't resist the evil person. I'll be like, well, we have to talk about boundaries, right? I don't like that. I'm like, if they're evil, I'll resist them. Don't come on my property. I got cameras up, right? I used to like my neighbors, but now I pull in, I shut the garage door before I get out of the car. They're just, oh, no, it's just me. Sorry, I didn't know. Okay, I got to lie. All right, I'll make something up. Uh, no, right? You, what, what you heard was wrong. He's saying, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. If someone does something to you, get them back. Get even. Get back at them. And they're applying it to their personal life. And he says, no, 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 no. Don't resist don't fight back an evil person. And here's why this whole statement, I think the whole premise of this series is doing this. <clears throat> what the culture would say, get even, make it right, get revenge, fight back. If someone does something against you, do something back more and to get even with them. If they mess up your reputation at work, you, you mess it up even more for them. That's what the culture would say. Jesus would say, if someone does evil against you, I'm going to call you to what is, is a higher standard. Like I said when I started this morning, if the Bible does not correct your thinking, your feelings, your, your, your actions, if you agree with everything you read in the Bible, you might not be reading the Bible. You might be reading your own version of it. If it doesn't cause you to think, I don't like that. That's, that's the whole premise of being a Jesus follower. He's, he's saying things to them. Hey, what you heard was correct, but what you heard was wrong because you've applied it wrong. And, and you know, I make the, make the joke about boundaries, but it's truly, truly a problem, right? Because I have these, these, this mindset of what I think should be done, right? I have the, the rules that are right for Mike. And the rules that are right for Mike, they're right for me. And... When someone is evil, I don't want to just resist them. I want to cut them off. And Jesus says, if there's an evil person, don't resist them. Don't fight them. Don't argue with them. What, what does he want us to do? It's the, the third point. What you heard is impossible to apply on your own. It says in Matthew 5, 39. And this is where it just gets so practical, um, but really, really crazy, just to read it. But if anyone <clears throat> slaps you on the right cheek, anyone, you know what that means in the original language? I have no idea, but I think it's anyone. Um, <laughs> it just sounded good in my head right now, and I was like, I should have looked that up. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it means anyone, right? Uh, Right, and, and I did look up the word slaps you on the right cheek. So I thought about bringing Joel or David up here, but it'd get kind of awkward. If you, the, the word slap right here, for the, you guys like, you should do it, right? I can see it in your face. Um, if you slap someone, it's talking about, it's not just talking about like a, you know, like the little slap. It's talking about an open-handed, like that. That's, it's an aggressive, it's a hit. It's not a love tap. This ain't, I don't know what you guys do for football around here, but in Mogador, if you messed up, you got, you got hit. Like, we, we had scars. So anyway, um, if, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, so if anyone hits you, and, and here's the thing, it doesn't give the reason why they're hitting you. 
I wish Jesus had like that little, you know, asterisk or verse in the back or the one at the bottom where it's like, you know, unless it's, you know, the, the people you disagree with politically or unless it's, uh, you know, unless they said this or, you know, right? But he says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek and he doesn't give the reason, what's he say? Turn to him the other also. I've never done that. <laughs> right? I mean, my brothers and I growing up, if we got in a fight, it wasn't like, bam, and I was like, do it again, right? I, you, don't, you don't do that. What do you do? You tackle them, right? You, you fight them. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you, okay. Now, if, if anyone, I mean, I actually had a neighbor friend of mine who threatened to sue me. That's a very long story, but it was kind of bizarre. And I was ready to, I mean, I was not being very Christian-like when this happened. I had a guy, a mentor of mine had to talk me down. He was threatening to sue me because, like, you know, the wind was blowing. I think a leaf landed on his yard or something like that. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that was the thing. So uh, anyway, um, he says, if, if anyone would sue you, take your tunic and let, I'm going to have to tell the story because now you guys like really want to know. I can feel it. Stay afterwards. We'll see if Joel let me hang out for a little bit. Um, give, him your, give him your tunic and let him have your cloak as well. A tunic is, an un, is, your, is your coat, is your outer garment. The, the cloak is your undergarment. So if someone's going to sue you, give him your coat and give him your shirt as well. Why, why would you do that? There's... There's no boundaries involved in that. Where's the justice? I, I feel like Jesus is asking us, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to set up shop in the town, and I want you to just be a punching bag for Jesus. Really? Like just people just blasting me, lighting me up. And I mean, there are so many applications about social media, but I'm not going to do it because I want to be that guy, you know, and you know, just be bashing Facebook and all those things. But really, it's... And it's not saying you can't defend yourself. In Acts 22, verse 1, Paul shows up to give a defense of his life. So it's not, it's not that you can't defend yourself. It's not that you can't have justice. But he's saying on a personal level, and you've got to remember his crowd here in verse, uh, chapter 5, 1 and 2, it's the disciples. He is preparing them to live an upside-down mindset in what they're about to go into. The life for them, what it's going to be to follow Jesus, they're... They're persecuted, they're, they're marginalized, they're, I mean, I mean, these guys, the things he's preparing them for are just, I mean, he's, he's saying this for them and they're thinking, what, how, how is this going to look? And that's why I said what you've heard is impossible to apply on your own because you can't do this apart from Christ. You just can't. You will, in your own power, in your own strength, never be able to take, take a hit to, to be sued, to be, I mean, all the, it's just, it's un, it's counterculture. It's not going to feel right. You're going to fight against yourself even after you make the right decision. It's not going to feel right. And so then he says this last one, and if anyone, and I underlined anyone in all three, because I'll let you fill in the gaps for who anyone would be. Um, I brought up, right, what if they disagree with me politically? What if they disagree with me on every Bible theological stance? What if they disagree with me with how church should be done? What if they disagree with me on, I mean, you fill in the blank, and, and then there's always the people who say, well, what if they've just done it to themselves? 
I wish Jesus would have answered that question. Jesus, you said to help the poor, but what if they've done it to themselves? Jesus, you said, you said to love our enemies, but what if, they've, what if they've done more than enemies? Jesus, you said, right, right, you fill in the gap. And here's, let me finish the verse. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. He's teaching to go the extra mile in order to, if possible, we'll talk about in a second, keep peace with all men. Go the extra mile. And I spent a lot of time trying to study and figure out how many miles or how far did Jesus carry the cross? Because that would have been a really good connection. And the most stuff I can read, they're kind of all over the map. And it might have been, might have been between a quarter and a half a mile that he carried the cross to Gethsemane. But <clears throat> there's also the implication in Luke 24 when Jesus shows up after the resurrection and he's teaching the disciples, it says he walked seven miles on the road to Emmaus. And it's easy to think of a seven-mile walk. I mean, some of you, some of us, seven miles, that's, that's a week, right? That's, that's some time. But think about it, and you don't want to forget the humanity of Jesus, beaten, scorned, mocked. They said, uh, uh, I mean, just, right? And, and he rises from the dead, but he still has the marks in his hands and his feet. The disciples on the road of Emmaus, they don't recognize him. And I don't think it's because he looked the exact same. I don't think it's just because they're intellectual morons. I think because he looks and feels different. He's different. He walks seven miles with them to explain the scriptures. And, and I think there's some applications here for us of going the extra mile with someone. And going the extra mile, it takes time I don't have, effort that I don't have in the tank, energy that it just becomes, at a certain point, it becomes exhausting, right? Going the extra mile for anyone, for anyone. Jesus is teaching a lot of, a lot of things that are just not normal to us. And he says, if anyone, <clears throat> the person that you're thinking about in your mind right now, that just keeps coming up and you're like, I just would rather not, I, I will avoid that person at all costs because of what they've done to hurt me. And Jesus is driving home the point that you already know to be true. Hey, hurting people hurt people, but it doesn't give you the right to hurt them back. Hurting people will hurt people. If someone is hurting you, it's because they're hurting. They're hurting. If they've slapped you on the cheek, it's because something is going on in their life. If they've, if they've tried to sue you, it's because there's a deeper issue at play. If they're forcing you to go a mile with them, there's something going on at play. And I had a, a counselor tell me this one time, and he was explaining the idea of getting in the well with someone. And he was telling me how terrible I was at that. He was saying, Mike, to, to get in the well with someone he said, is where you don't just see where they are. You don't just see, man, you're really deep in the well. I mean, that is a tough spot to be in. I can't believe you're all the way down there. I can't believe you're hurting that much. You've had so many bad things happen to you. How is it down there? You actually go in with them. And you feel what they feel. 
you experience what they experience and realize this person has been throwing rocks at me because of, oh, I want to hear their story. Why do you have such a, such a perspective on people like me who is a Jesus follower? Why do you have that perspective on our family? What has someone said to you or done to you? And you're, what you're going to find out is you would probably feel the same way. And lastly, the fourth point is this, what you heard is gospel. <clears throat> and Jesus finishes out this little segment here. He said, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you, right? And so um, we've already kind of talked about this. What do I have to give? How much money? How much stuff? The person who's begging for me, the person who's asking, what do I have to give them, right? Because you're, we're, we're the exact same. I want to know what's the, what's the boundary, What's the line? What if they've done it to themselves? What if they don't work as hard as me? I bet I work harder than them. I bet they didn't study as hard as I did, right? I bet they didn't try as hard as I did, right? The one, give to the one who begs from you. Um, it was three weeks ago, and I was meeting with a church planner in um, our area in Akron, Ohio, and I was talking with him, and I mean, he's six, seven months in, and I mean, He's just going through a terrible time. There's things happening in the church. You guys know when a church plant starts, it's like the enemy attacks. There's all these things taking place. It's like, you know, financially they, they, were, in, they were in a hole. And so uh, I came home and I told my wife about it. And I said, hey, he didn't ask for anything, but I think it's right if we just try and help him. Let's just try and do what we can. So we, we did. And then, you know, a couple of days later, my wife said, hey, how, how much did you, did you give him? I'm not going to tell you because that'd be weird, but I just, uh, <laughs> I, I told her the amount and she was like, that's it? And I was like, well, I mean, you're going to have to go back to work with the kid, you know, and I, no, we didn't do that. I just said, well, what did you want me to give him? And she said, well, I thought there was a need. Uh, I'm supposed to be a pastor. I was like, there's definitely a need. <laughs> um, Right, because I want to know, I don't want to give, I want to give what, when it's not, when it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. I want to help when it doesn't hurt. I want to sacrifice when it doesn't, when it, when it's just like it fits. Everything just fits. And don't refuse the one who would borrow from you. So there's tons of applications here, but you're going to have to ask God to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you how this would take place. I gave, kind of give, you know, a financial illustration, but a lot of it is time. A lot of it is resources. A lot of it is personal relationship because that's the context in which Jesus is talking here. I truly believe um, he's talking about personal relationships and retaliation. It is so easy, easy to love and care for and provide for people in this room people around the dinner table. I mean, you'll, you'll talk next week. I'm not going to steal the sermon, but Jesus says, man, you can love people who love you. That is great. That is so good. You can love people you're going to be in heaven with for a long time. That is, oh man, that is so good. I'm so proud of you. But anyone can do that. You find anyone in any camp, you find any worship service in any 
congregation. You can find any sports team rooting for any sport. You can find people who will lay down rights and laws and preferences and backgrounds and beliefs to love someone. That's easy. Jesus said anybody, anybody can do that. But to love your enemy or to love and give to the one who begs, that you can't do on your own. It says in Romans 12, 17 to 21, it says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And here's the one. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, and this is where it quotes Proverbs 25, 19, 20, and 21. He quotes this Old Testament proverb, vengeance is mine. God is saying this, not not the person, not Paul in Romans, not Solomon in Proverbs. God is saying, vengeance is mine. I, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, and this is contrary, this is everything we're talking about this morning. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So here is, here is this idea from Romans 12 connecting to Matthew 5. Being overcome when evil is done to you is its second nature. You don't even have to try to get mad at people. You don't even have to try to be bitter. You don't even have to try to, to get angry with or to want to get right or let your pride play in. You don't, you don't even have to try. It's second nature. You'll do that just like a baby does learning how to say mine. It's mine. My daughter's, <laughs> rabbit trail, my daughter's year and a half. She knows one word, no. You want to you eat something? No. You want to go outside? No. You want to go inside? No. All right, you're staying in the house. Lock the door. No. Um, it's just second nature to her. She just knows no. That's the first word. No. Everything's no. And it's that way when it's with us, when we want to get right, we want to get even, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, revenge, personal revenge. Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, he said, the new commandment I give to you is that you would love one another, that as we love each other, the world will know that we have a relationship with God. They'll see that. But the higher standard is to love your enemy. Feed him if he's hungry. Give him a drink if he's thirsty. And he doesn't say only if they ask. I wanted to ask Paul, well, what if they don't ask, but they're thirsty? What if they don't ask, but they're hungry? What if they don't ask me to fulfill a need, but they have a need? Do I still have to do it? And the following Jesus way is not... What do I have? And this is what my wife was teaching me three weeks ago. The question is not, what do we have? The question is, what is the need? What's the need? It says in Luke 14, 12 to 23. Luke 14, 12 to 23, if you don't have it, it's fine. Or 12 and 13. It should be chapter 14. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not... Do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. 
Be careful who you're generous to because a lot of times your sinful nature and generosity or giving or forgiving will just be so that you get something back. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the cripples, the lame, and the blind. It goes on to say, because they can't repay you. It's easy to give. It's easy to be generous. It's easy to be kind. It's easy to be nice with what we would call just an agenda. I want something in return. I'm being strategic. I'm building relationships. But he says, don't just have a meal and have people over just so that you would get more personal gain. And this is why he, he does this. This final point here. It's not fair when Jesus was, was treated like we should have been. And this whole idea of being fair. It says in Romans 11.35, it says, Who can give a gift to God that he might be repaid? You can't repay God back. And the reason he wants you and I to love someone that can't pay us back, it's when we start to experience how God has loved us. Can't repay him. Even the gifts he's given us, it is just out of an act of worship and loving him. And even when we do that, when we do that, we start to experience the love that God has had for us. You see, Jesus brings this new way or this new teaching and this new law. In Exodus 32, when these commandments were instituted, the Ten Commandments and then added on the giving of the law, there's over 613 commandments and laws given, really over a thousand in the Bible. In Exodus 32, Moses comes down off the mountain with the, with the Ten Commandments, the tablets. As he is coming down, he sees the people worshiping a golden calf. As he sees them worshiping and dancing around a golden calf, he takes the tablets, he throws them on the rocks, and they shatter. Once they shatter, because the law was given, there are 3,000 3, people who die in an instant, which seems very, very harsh. In Acts chapter 2, when the, law, when the spirit of the law was given... Paul says in Romans 7, the law brought death to me, but the spirit brings life. When, when the spirit of God was given and Paul preaches the gospel for the first time that the law was to reveal your sinfulness, ask Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and the spirit of God is given, guess how many souls are saved? 3,000. To show that God is not just this anti-cosmic killjoy, but he is a loving gracious and forgiving God that the law reveals we need Christ. It says in Hebrews 8, it talks about how Jesus says, I will hold their sins against them no more. And in verse uh, 12, Hebrews 8, 12 and 13, it says that the Old Testament law was obsolete, no longer applicable because the law, what you have heard was said, it was right, it was correct, you heard correctly but it was supposed to push you to me. And so as we kind of close up this morning, I want you to ask yourself the question, as I have failed to retaliate, respond in the way Jesus has want me to respond, to love in the way he's called me to love, that I would really seek to have the Bible over me, to be under the book in this way, all of us, all of us fail tremendously. It's not to leave you in condemnation, but to push you to Christ and say only Jesus truly, truly didn't retaliate. Only Jesus truly treated people how they didn't deserve, which is why you and I are here today, because he decided, 
I'm going to die on the cross and rise again so that those who would receive me don't need to be treated like they deserve. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for Matthew chapter 5 and just how it speaks to us. And I'm just reminded, even as we close, I don't want given to me what I deserve. That I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve grace. I don't deserve the gifts you've given me, the life you've given me. I don't deserve anything. Yet you give it to me graciously and I can't repay you. Lord, would you give us the eyes to see that we should not live a life of personal revenge toward others, but of forgiving and grace toward others. And God, I already know as I say that there's so many personal stories and hurts. And Holy Spirit, only you, only you can heal, restore, and redeem unredeemable situations. God, would you help us to have personal responsibility on the actions that we take. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.